everyone. Welcome to Art History Awesome. I'm your host, Amelia, and today we have our first art history interlude. Episodes like this will focus on fundamentals of art history that will be helpful for future episodes or general tips and tricks for making the most of your art experiences. For the month of April, instead of two episodes every other Wednesday, so two episodes a month, not like two episodes on one day, (laughs) we will have an interlude every week. Today, I will be giving a rundown of the hierarchy of genres. Since the end of the Middle Ages, buying, collecting, and commissioning art has been one of the best ways to flaunt wealth and power. This includes sculpture, music, theater, dance, etc. However, from the early Renaissance in the 1300s to the beginning of Impressionism in the 1800s, paintings were king. Want to show off your new wife? Commission a painting. Want to show the other cardinals that you love God more than they do? Commission a painting. Want to commemorate how amazing your dancer's legs look? Painting. I'm looking at you, Louis Fourteenth. The more money you spend, the better. But even within painting, there is a proverbial pecking order. Because the only thing rich people like more than talking about how rich they are is talking about how poor everyone else is. The subject matter and size of a painting all dictated the cost and associated status of the person commissioning it. This system of organization, which consists of five categories, is called the hierarchy of genres. The genres are, from bottom to top, still life, landscape, genre, spelled the same as genre but with a capital G, portrait, and at the top, history. Still life paintings were considered the lowest form of painting, for they were relatively small in scale and did not depict anything living. There was this concept that the bigger the painting and the more living beings in the composition, the most talent and training was required. While this is true in some sense, still life painters are genuinely some of the most technically skilled artists in history. They would create Bountiful images full of delicious foods, glittering place settings, and delicate glasses filled with wine and water. A fantastic example is Pietro Clay's Still Life with Silverware and Lobster. Landscapes are pretty self-explanatory. They're paintings of landscapes. (laughs) They are placed above still life paintings because they could have animals and, if you were very sneaky, people. But only if they were really tiny and in the distance. Genre scenes are the lowest tier allowed to properly have human figures in them. These are paintings of everyday scenes of the lower class meant to humble the wealthy. Fictionalized scenarios showed either the poor as heathens the upper class needed to rise above, or as simple and pious to remind the rich of the examples they should set. The latter was more popular in highly religious countries. Vermeer's The Milkmaid is a beautiful genre painting that exemplifies the quiet moments popular in Northern Europe. Portraits, Mona Lisa. I could probably leave it at that, but I care about all of you, so I'll expound. Portraits were the best way to show off yourself or your family. Massive, over-life-sized canvases and gilded frames. Literally my fave portrait ever is Ringard's portrait of Louis XIV because it's essentially him flexing on how great he is at ballet. Look, 
this painting says, Look at my amazing calves. Gaze upon them and weep. If you too want to gaze upon them and weep, you can check out this episode's post at ameliarose.com. Just click on the Art History Awesome tab. Our final, biggest, baddest, fanciest genre is history. Despite the name, this genre doesn't just include subjects from history. It also includes biblical scenes and stories from mythology and battle scenes and, well, essentially anything big and containing important people doing something active but isn't just a portrait. <laughs> In fact, actual history wasn't the most popular subject for history paintings. Religious imagery and mythological illustrations were way more common, especially in the Renaissance, Baroque, and Neoclassical periods. Uh, we've actually discussed many history paintings in previous episodes. Our artist profile of Artemisia Gentileschi, most of her works were history paintings. Um, in our History of Art History, we talked about David's Oath of the Horatii, another great example of history paintings. That's it for today's interlude. There will be three more of these episodes this month, so be sure to join me next week for another short but sweet discussion. You can follow Art History Awesome on Twitter and Instagram at ARHAwesome. You can also send an email with any art and or history-related questions to arthistoryawesome at gmail.com. Finally, I'm sure you know, you can find all the art and sources mentioned in this episode at ameliarose.com. Just look for this episode's post under the Art History Awesome tab. If you want to leave a review on iTunes, that would be great. And if you want to share this podcast with a friend, that would be, well, awesome. Once again, my name's Amelia. Thank you for listening to Art History Awesome. Awesome.